welcome to the third episode of Sustainable, a podcast on sustainability from an interdisciplinary perspective. I'm your host, Rosalie, and today I invited Dr. Weslyn Ashton to the show. She's an associate professor at the Illinois Institute of Technology with joint appointments at the Stewart School of Business and the Institute of Design. Professor Ashton is a sustainable systems scientist whose research, teaching, and practice are oriented around transitioning our socio-ecological systems towards sustainability and equity. Her research is grounded in industrial ecology and circular economy. Her current work focuses on increasing sustainability and equity in urban food systems and developing regenerative economies in post-industrial regions, emerging economies, and small island states. She has a bachelor's degree in environmental engineering from MIT and master's and doctoral degrees in environmental science from Yale University. We talked about her approach to research and community focus, sustainability as care, and solutions to address growing weaknesses of our current economic system, both professionally and personally. Please welcome her to the show, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to to meet with me. Um, I'm really excited to talk about your work, how you approach your work kind of the motivations behind them, the rationale, Mm -hmm. what made you interested in sustainability? My journey into sustainability really began um, from childhood. Yeah. I grew up in Trinidad and Tobago, uh, which many people, you know, don't realize Uh is like one of the most industrialized uh, islands in the world. Coincidentally, the last person I spoke to is also from Trinidad and Tobago. No kidding. Just coincidentally, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Because Trinidad is so industrialized, yeah. um, you know, my, my dad worked in a factory huh. repairing industrial machinery, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so I was always in in the factory. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but also going to the beaches and mm-hmm. going to the rainforest. Yeah. Um, and so there was just this juxtaposition of industry and nature yeah. that I think inspired me to think about, you know, what are the impacts of industry on the environment and are there ways that we could reduce those those impacts? Um, And when I got to to college, so I went to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Yes, yes. In engineering at that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I was in the civil and environmental engineering department and the department head at the time was Raphael Brass, who was gotcha. Puerto Rican and, yeah. and had a huge push to yeah. diversify right. the department, yeah. right? And, and so it was really, I think, one of the, the most um, welcoming departments yeah. for women, for yeah. students of color. Yeah. Um, and so compared to the other engineering disciplines, you right. know, like when you looked at, oh, at CE, uh, <laughs> yeah, first yeah. Time, you know, there was just so much diversity compared mm-hmm. to some of the other engineering disciplines. Yeah. And I think, you know, like that active, you know, push and yeah. interest from the top, from the department right. head was really motivating, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, uh, and being at a school that um, had a lot of opportunities, yeah. um, uh, that we were encouraged to pursue those, those opportunities. Right. And so I... Yeah, did environmental engineering. Yeah. And, you know, quite interestingly, and, mm-hmm. and you know, like I, I, I think about this, right? So, yeah. I'm 20, about 20 years out of yeah. undergraduate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, you 
know, I mean, uh, at the time in the late 90s, you know, like yeah. we're, you know, just getting started with the internet, yes. kind of like right. how you found people and what they're working on, yeah. you know, just through the library and books right. and right. Uh, what what networks you, you mm -hmm. could connect into at the time. And, and so I think, you know, one of the interesting pieces of my journey is that, you know, there's lots of cool stuff happening at MIT yeah. uh, around technology and, yeah. and public policy that I wasn't tapped into because gotcha. I was in engineering. Right, and so I feel like right. we were a lot more siloed yeah, then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until my final semester uh, right. at MIT that I took a course in the politics of sustainable development, yeah, uh, yeah. which was in political science. Right that I was introduced to the, the concept of industrial ecology. So I feel as an environmental engineer, yeah. you know, the, the focus on, on our work was really about how do you build systems yeah. to analyze where pollution is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and clean up that pollution, right? right? So right. whether it's contamination in, mm -hmm. in the ground, yeah. in our wastewater, yeah. in, in our solid waste, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that it, it was, very much about you know, understanding pollution, yeah. where it goes, and yeah. cleaning it up. Yeah. And I contrast that with industrial ecology, uh, which is more about okay, how do we understand where the impacts yeah. are? Yeah. And design right. our industrial systems yeah. to remove those impacts, right? Yeah. So how can we redesign products? How can yeah. we reformulate? the configuration of mm -hmm. our industrial systems. Yeah, so, yeah. so we eliminate waste, right? Yes, or, or whatever yes. waste is generated mm -hmm. can be reused yes, in, yes. in some way by the other industries. Yeah. And so in thinking about graduate school and kind of what yeah. I wanted to work on, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with cleaning up pollution. I want to yeah. you know, help to, to figure out how to design it out in the first place. And so that led me to to Yale and the yeah. Center of Industrial Ecology and, and really thinking about how to design, redesign yeah. our industrial systems. So the, the focus of my work there was mm -hmm. industrial symbiosis. Yeah, yeah. And, and that really looks at how groups of firms or different organizations can work together to manage their resources. So mm -hmm. primarily energy, water, materials, yeah. waste resources, and configure themselves in such a way uh, to utilize those wastes to more efficiently yes, yes. manage those, those resources, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about circular economy now, yes, yeah. um, and industrial symbiosis is a, a key part of that yeah, when yeah. we think about how our industrial systems are, are organized. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so like I, I, I like to say, you know, I started out as an environmental engineer yeah. um, who moved to, to thinking about, okay, how can we redesign our industrial systems to eliminate waste. Yeah. And then as an industrial ecologist to where the focus is really on materials and energy and understanding mm -hmm. the flows and the yes. impact of those flows on the environment, yeah. that I moved more into sustainable business, yeah. recognizing that materials don't flow for themselves, right? right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody yes. decides, okay, I need this material here. It costs this much. So there's a, a whole economic, social yeah. decision-making yeah. framework that determines 
what mm-hmm. materials go where, right? Yeah. What communities are going to yeah. be impacted yeah. by it. And so, so my work, I think, is really very interdisciplinary because yes. I start with this engineering base, yeah. you know, think about the, the science and uh, design and yeah. also management. I think in uh, the terms of interdisciplinary, I have a similar background to you, although I didn't start in engineering. For me, it was earth science, environmental science. And I think it, you can see, you know, within business schools, not everyone comes from that background, right? Most people come from economics. They come from something similar to business and they may not ever actually go into the depths of the science behind what they're doing. So I think that framework of having that science background gives you and I and other other people from a similar background a certain advantage because we have a different fundamental understanding of the work that we're doing and what's happening with these materials. And I, I wonder too, prior to you even deciding on environmental engineering, you know, was science something that in general you were just interested in prior to going into engineering specifically. I'm kind of interested in that, that rationale for engineering. So I feel like almost ashamed to, to say <laughs> this. But um, in the British colonial education system yes. in the Caribbean yeah. and you know, in, in many parts of the, yeah. the Commonwealth, we were streamed from an early age and you know, by osmosis, yes. um, I, I got it in my head that, you yeah. know, the smart kids do uh-huh. science. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and, and I have this, this funny story because I feel like my first passion mm-hmm. was geography. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember my geography teacher in, in, in high school yeah. being heartbroken right. that, that I did not <laughs> choose geography yeah. uh, because you know, it clashed with, with physics. So, so it's just very yeah. interesting. I think, you know, the, the path that I've yes. now come back to, because I'm yeah. like, I'm doing geography. Yeah. This is geography. Yeah. It is. It is. And so right? uh, to clarify it, not human geography, but geography, like physical geography or, or human. So, so it was both. So it, it was, was both, both physical gotcha. and, and, yeah. and human. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, geography you know, it's, it, right, it's often classified as a, as a social science, right? Yeah, but it, yeah. it has both the, these physical, yeah, natural science the biophysical. aspects, right, um, right. As, as well as the, the social. And yeah. I think, you know, like, that's where I work now, yeah, right? Yeah. So, I'm, so I'm in uh, a business school. Yeah. I, I also have a joint appointment with our Institute of Design. Yeah. So I'm yeah. in, technically in business and design, yeah, but yeah. doing environmental science. Yeah. It's very much focused on geographic communities and and kind of how communities um, manage the resources that they have and uh, the economic development opportunities that that are open to them. And so, uh, you know, when when I think about my journey that I've I've come back to interdisciplinarity after thinking that, you know, science and sort of natural science, physics, chemistry, math was the, the path that I needed to be on, yeah. right? And and so, so I, you know, like like when I think about the the push that that we have now mm-hmm. towards STEM, and right, yeah. and I absolutely believe that that it's important that young people, mm-hmm. you know, kids, you know, get yeah a good understanding of STEM, yeah. STEM yeah. right? So yeah. science, exposure to to technology yeah. and digital technology, mm-hmm. but you know the the arts, right? You have STEM and STEAM. So I think about steam right as yeah. really being needed to reflect the 
diverse interests, but that these things can be connected. Yeah. So one of my best friends is a former civil engineer turned poet Mm -hmm. (laughs) who also teaches high school. Yeah. Yeah. And and one of the things that that she talks about, you know, is like teaching students in the arts, but bringing in science. Right. Right. right? And and the other way around. Right. So when she's the science kids bringing in the the arts to demonstrate that, you know, there 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 shouldn't be this Mm -hmm. divide. Right. And and we're we're whole human beings uh, that experience the the Mm -hmm. world in in different ways and tapping into our right brain, left brain. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, you know, some, yeah. some of us are inclined more towards one or, or the other, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. They're, they're all parts of who we are. Yeah, yeah. Would you say even that, that this divide between STEM and STEAM, you know, it's, it's a socially constructed divide that it doesn't exist because we, we don't live that way, right? We don't right. live in silos. We don't live fragmented in that way. And, and actually this, this STEAM and STREAM, like I, I actually am not even familiar with it. So that's why I, I just looked it up right now to, to understand the difference between them. But I know that there is a huge focus on STEM and rightly mm-hmm. so, but the fact that I don't even know about STEAM, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that is something too, that should warrant some kind of note for us that, right. that it shouldn't be so unknown, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think, you know, like when you want to engage, um, young people and you know so sometimes it, it's hard mm. for me to think like oh my god i'm like a middle you know tenured professor no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so it's, it's funny you know like in, in yeah. class sometimes and, and i'm walking around and i'm like oh my god I, i'm old enough to be <laughs> a parent what oh. matters is the soul i think <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um, but but i think about the, the things that, that young people are interested yeah, in, yeah. right? And uh, just the, the prevalence of social media. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think of myself fairly tech savvy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but certainly not in, in, in the same way, like a digital native like yourself, right? right, right. Yeah. right? Or, or, or even younger people. And, yeah. and so, so I think, you know, like when, when we think about community science yeah, and, and yeah. how we want to engage young people and and I think your generation does Mm -hmm. you know that this much better using social media right using video and blogs and Instagram to make that connection yeah right yeah so so science is not just in the lab right yeah it's all around us yes yes. and there are ways to connect the the science to our lived experiences and and the arts yeah is an important part of that, right? Mm-hmm. So whether mm-hmm. that is um, visual art, yeah. Yeah. Uh, writing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, literary arts, uh, digital arts, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, For me, geography. it's music. Like, you know, and <laughs> right. I, I haven't even found a way to connect those things, but they're just things that I'm so deeply connected to, right? And it, it's hard to find that those connections because I was lucky. I, I was lucky that I attended you know, programs at UMICH that allowed me to have an interdisciplinary background. And even then, there are certain connections that I wish I could make, but it's still hard to make some of them. Like for me, at least between music and sustainability. I haven't gotten there yet, but there are people doing that. For right. me, I haven't yeah. gotten there yet, but yeah. definitely. So one of my, my colleagues at Yale, yeah. Dr. Thomas Easley, mm-hmm. who is the associate dean for right. uh, diversity equity and inclusion yeah. uh, talks about hip-hop sustainability yeah, yeah. right and, and and using hip-hop and yeah. music yeah. as the vehicle for right. 
education and reaching yeah, young people yeah. and, and really connecting to that. So, so yeah. I totally think, you know, there's, yeah. there's a place for, yeah. for music. You know, so I was recently invited to contribute to a book on mm-hmm. infrastructure for the 21st century. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I could write an academic style chapter, but the the editors were interested Mm -hmm. in, you know, allowing people to be more creative. And so, you know, like I wrote a poem about about climate change and, you know, back in another life 20 years ago, I was a performance poet. Yeah. (laughs) Were you doing spoken word? I was. Uh, yeah. So have I. But mine, mine was, <laughs> you know, back in back in high school, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I actually had an art and sustainability course at Michigan. And it was yeah. one of one of my favorite courses because we had so much freedom to do whatever whatever medium we wanted to use. Yeah. And for me, that was writing. It was it was going back to that performance poetry. And it, it's so wonderful to hear that you have a background mm-hmm. in that too, because yeah. that that type of medium is honestly it's very soul bearing. Like it's very it's, it just kind of shows the audience who you are, really. And there's not really any kind of barrier between yeah. that. So I encourage you to, you know, actually continue yeah. doing your, your art. Yeah. Uh, I feel like one of the things that I um, regret, and, and I think as uh, a woman of color mm-hmm. um, on an academic path, yeah. Right. So, yeah. so in our, our PhD programs, mm-hmm. I feel like there's uh, a pressure to conform. Yeah. And, and whether that is spoken or not, mm-hmm. right, that there are certain ways that you express yourself, right, and and it's about academic writing yeah. and yeah. Um, and communication in, right. in a certain, certain way that yeah. that's acceptable, right, yeah. and and that is praised and yeah. um, acknowledged, mm-hmm. and and and. And so throughout my, my PhD journey, right, I, I yeah. feel like I wrote less and less <laughs> poetry and, until, yeah. you know, like I, I had this very long dry spell and it yeah. really wasn't you know, until, you know, the, this call for this chapter, I'm like, okay, well, let me try yeah. my hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, me, let me see if, it, let me see if I can dig out <laughs> yeah. Yeah. all the recesses, you know, like, like what it's like to, to yeah. write poetry again. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, like really encourage you and encourage yeah young people of color yeah. who are on PhD journeys yeah. to maintain their voice. Yeah. That gets and, lost and, sometimes. Right. And, yeah. and, and I think there, there's more space now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and more um, recognition that, you know, right. So, so yeah. with blogs, you know, with yeah. social media, that, that there are other platforms yeah. Yeah. for expressing yourself, for sharing your yeah. work beyond academic mm-hmm. conferences and mm-hmm. journal articles yeah, yeah. Right? and so, so it's something I really highly encourage. Yeah. And now there are some you know student-led journals at, at schools that are very encouraging of all these different mediums and sometimes actually specifically don't want academic writing and they specifically yeah. call for art yeah. right and that's I don't know if that's kind of a new phenomenon that's happened that you've seen um, or whether that's recent or, you know, but that, that it's very inspirational to me. And it, it de- definitely does push me to continue writing and explore other mediums yeah. that I haven't explored too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say that it's more prevalent. Like, I yeah. feel like there, there are probably some avenues yeah. Yeah. Um, for that. So I feel like, you know, like, yeah, we should yeah. be using all of the, these platforms yeah. much more. Yeah. One, one thing that I'd like to go back to is, you know, you brought up the community 
before when we were talking about industrial ecology, circular economy, and um, I wanted to ask you, you know, what, why is it so important to focus locally when we're talking about the circular economy? You know, as an example, the plant in Chicago, right? Why, why is it so, so important? I think that um, we're all called to, to do different things, yeah. right? And there, yeah, there is no perfect solution, no right. perfect way to, to do yeah. science, to yeah. have impact. And, and I think there is, you, you have to have a personal connection to, to the work that you do. And yeah. I think for some people, that's global climate change, yeah. right? And, and really generating knowledge that can, can help us as a society mm-hmm. to understand what the, yeah. the impacts are and, and to develop new technologies. Yeah. I feel we have a lot of knowledge about environmental impacts. Yeah. We have yeah. a lot of knowledge about you know, the, the problems yeah. that our economies have yeah. generated in terms of its use of resources, mm-hmm. the generation mm-hmm. of various types of contamination, yeah. and right. the differential impacts of pollution in, in communities, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and communities of color black and brown communities mm-hmm. in, in the US, mm-hmm. you know, bear much more of the those impacts. Yeah. And so you know, to coming to Chicago, yeah. I did a lot of work internationally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So came from, from an island. I did yeah. a lot of work on yeah. sustainability on islands. So yeah. worked in, in Puerto Rico, um, in Hawaii, yeah. um, you know, Singapore. Singapore. And I love doing that international work because I feel like, you know, there's so much new development that is happening in the global South Mm -hmm. where we have the opportunity to, to change the trajectory. So, so the South doesn't make, um, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the mistakes that the North made in terms of, of how they developed and how they consumed resources. Some whole other conversations that, yes. that we have, let me yeah. just park that, that right there. <laughs> in coming to Chicago, yeah. Chicago is the most segregated city in the U.S., yeah? There are parts of Chicago, you know, that yeah. are like the global north. Yeah, yeah. There are parts of Chicago that are like the global mm-hmm. south, Yeah. right? And so, so my interest is really thinking about yeah. how can we help communities to be more sustainable, right? To have economic activities Mm -hmm. that lift up the population uh, in terms of wealth, in terms of health, in terms of the the opportunities Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. that are open to them, right? So so Marcia Sen's idea of development is is freedom. Yes, yes. uh, To to pursue the the opportunities Mm -hmm. that you you want to. And so... So I had a choice to make, right? So I can continue working in uh, the international sphere, um, work more locally, and you know maybe part of the, the decision was having kids here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but working locally, I, I felt I could have mm-hmm. as an important an impact the communities in which um, I was embedded, and yeah. so so I've sought to build relationships with different organizations and communities and Chicago being uh, a post-industrial city. Yeah. 
I think, you know, like when I, when I started doing work here, I was like, okay, well, let's, you know, find the, the industries, let's think mm-hmm. about environmental management yeah. and sustainability issues in, in business. But there, there are a few, you know, um, sort of hard manufacturing firms yeah. left you know, in, the, you know, in, in the Rust Belt. Yeah. And what I saw was the emergence of a lot of food-based small mm-hmm. businesses mm-hmm. that are addressing needs of the communities. Yeah. And so, so for me, it was important to connect to those businesses and, and see how the the tools, the resources at, at the university, yeah. you know, where I'm based at Illinois Tech, you know, could be be leveraged to help provide insights for those organizations to improve the, the sustainability mm-hmm. work that they're doing. Yeah. And yeah. so you, you mentioned the the plant. Yeah. So when, when I first moved here, the plant yeah. was just getting started. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So my first visit to, to the plant. Uh, with John Adel mm-hmm. was, you know, it was in deconstruction, right? Yeah, so it's this yeah. 100,000 square foot factory that yeah. was being uh, not demolished, uh, right. but really thinking about how we could reuse building infrastructure yeah. to incubate new businesses mm-hmm. and incubate sustainable businesses. Yeah. And so I've, I've had a relationship with the plant um, and Plant Chicago, the, yeah. the nonprofit for many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say early on, the focus of our work was really thinking about understanding the material and energy flows, right? Yeah. So, so using the industrial ecology tools mm-hmm. uh, that we could help some of the small businesses yeah. to understand, you know, their waste generation and think about ways to reduce their, their waste mm-hmm. to become more efficient, but also kind of making the uh, the symbiotic connections yes. with, yeah. with other businesses mm-hmm. and use that to, to tell their story. Yeah. Right. So, so there's one of the businesses at the plant that's called closed loop farm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which, you know, is uh, really a circular economy business. Yeah. yeah. Did a, a waste audit mm-hmm. and we were able to demonstrate that 99% of the, the waste that they generate is reused, is composted, gotcha. is recycled yeah. in, in some way. And, yeah. and so they're, you know, like able to, to demonstrate that, that yes, we are actually closed loop. <laughs> and, and, and that's an important part of the story of who they are yeah. and the, the marketing that, that they're right. able um, to do. So about three years ago, I started collaborating with uh, faculty and, mm-hmm. and students at our Institute of Design. And mm-hmm. I had a PhD student, Andrew Noguera, who I um, co-supervised. Yeah. And whereas I, I would say, you know, like a lot of industrial ecology, a lot of environmental engineering, environmental science yeah. is kind of present and backward looking, yeah. right? That yeah. we want to understand what the problems are, analyze that design is very future looking. Right. So, yeah. so how can we change the trajectories? Right. And so when, when, when people talk about design, they often think about products, right. But you know, we not only design products, yeah. We, yeah. we also design organizational structures yes. Yes. and infrastructure mm-hmm. and policies. Yeah. And, and so design and this collaboration with design yeah. has really pushed my work to thinking yeah. more about how do we take this knowledge, mm-hmm. this scientific knowledge that, that mm-hmm. we have and help to create yeah. new futures yes. that that are more inclusive that mm-hmm. are more sustainable yeah. and recognizing that 
the role of academics kind of working with community is yeah. not only about bringing knowledge, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and so, you know, I feel like many, the place that, that many of us in academia yeah. um, start from is thinking, oh, I have this knowledge, I've developed this new thing, yeah. let me go find the community. And the, the approach that, that I've now been cultivating yeah. is really one of more participatory action yeah. research, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so it's starting with, okay, what, what's the problem that the community, the organization is, right. is facing and how can we help to use the various tools that, yeah. that we have, yeah. whether those are more engineering-based tools, mm-hmm. these design-based mm-hmm. tools, to transfer that knowledge and to use that knowledge yeah. to empower those community members mm-hmm. um, to make the decisions uh, yeah. that are important for them and use that knowledge in, in their work going yeah. forward. And so it's an approach that has, has really in, informed my work yeah. Uh, yeah. over the last few years. And so when I take on projects, yeah. like I, always start with who's my partner yeah. what's the, the the problem mm-hmm. my community partner what's the problem that they're facing and what are the fields of knowledge yeah that can help address this problem yeah so i feel like i'm, I'm one of the folks in mm-hmm. my university that's a connector yeah it's like okay yeah. here, here's the a problem bridge. All right. Who do I know that that's doing this work inside mm-hmm. the university that I can bring to yeah. to help address this problem? Yeah. Who's the expert that that you know can bring some knowledge to to this issue yeah. that I can connect this community with? Mm-hmm. And so, I, I I think every scientist, academic, mm-hmm. you know, identifies where are the places they can have impact, yeah. and and for me. It's working with the communities in, yeah. in which I'm embedded to mm-hmm. uh, bring scientific knowledge, bring yeah. management knowledge, yeah. bring design knowledge mm-hmm. that can empower those communities yeah. to make decisions about their futures. Right. This might be a normative statement, and I think some scholars and academics don't necessarily agree with it, and I'm not sure, but for me, a university, at least in my perspective, should have some kind of impact beyond employment in the local community, right? That That's more positive than negative. And it doesn't always happen that way, right? A lot of the times it's just purely employment and then you can see the effects of gentrification or other, you know, effects on the, the actual communities that live there. Yeah, and I, I just don't know that there is consensus that universities should have a positive impact on their communities, which is, you know, that, that's something that we should be talking about as academics. There's a responsibility locally that not all the universities engage in. Right. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's not universal. No. I mean, I think that, that there, there are usually many people within universities yeah. who might be more community mm-hmm. engaged in their work. There are others who whose work, you know, maybe it's in the lab. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's in some other part of the world mm-hmm. for, for whom it, it's not as easy to make yeah. that connection yeah. with the, the communities. Right. And, you know, for many universities, yeah. right, they, they might be 
the largest employer in in their yeah. town, right? Yeah. They they might have a significant footprint right. in the communities and yeah. in which they're they're based. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we talk about corporate social responsibility, yeah. right? Yeah. That that, yeah. that businesses need to consider what's the impact that they yeah. have on society beyond the financial bottom line. Mm-hmm. And so I think similarly, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, for universities to be socially responsible, yeah, yeah, right. There's ethics in in the research that they're doing, yeah. in the teaching that they do, and I think how they engage with the community is yeah. where they're located mm-hmm. is an important part of that, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so you know, like like I have the experience yeah. of you know being in several urban universities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the message spoken yeah. veiled yes. you know, unspoken was don't go off the island yeah right so, right. so this is the university you know, and it's isolated yeah you know and, yeah. and in some cases they're walls yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, there's a perception of us versus them yeah. and, and i think we really need to to break that down yeah. and I, I think the moment that we're facing as a country grappling with the racism, yeah. you know, this country was founded on, yeah, yeah. you know, that we've perpetuated mm-hmm. over the last 400 years yeah. with our institutions, yeah. that I see universities, lots are making statements. Yes. And I mean, I, I, I do get the, the sense that, that many are, mm-hmm. Many have already begun this journey, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and for for many others, this is the moment yeah. that they're like, "Oh, yeah, we, we have to do something about this now." Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That the, the statement is not enough. No, and you know, it's internal in the yeah. university, right? Yeah. Who gets hired? Who who attends classes? Mm-hmm. Um, how do people advance? Yeah, right. And yeah. and it's also external, right? Yeah. So what's the relationship that we have with? Uh, different organizations. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. What's the impact that we have on the schools, yeah. right, and in, yeah. in, in our neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and and so change does not often happen without mm-hmm. big pushes, right, yeah. and yeah. and so you know, we have this societal push, yes, um, to acknowledge racism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to dismantle racism. So so I think that it's a really opportune moment for yeah. universities to grapple with their past and yeah. think about how they can be a force for, for positive mm-hmm. change, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so so one of my 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 mentors yeah. um, in the sustainability field, yeah. John Aronfeld, right? Yes. So, talks about sustainability is not about doing less bad, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, corporate sustainability, yeah. right? So we can reduce our pollution, mm-hmm. we can, you know, be more efficient. But sustainability is not about doing less bad. Yeah. It, it, it's actually about, you know, creating yeah. Yeah. Uh, a positive impact in the mm-hmm. world. So mm-hmm. how can our, our businesses, how can yeah. our organizations reorient themselves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not just to reduce their footprint, Yeah. Right, yeah. but but to have uh, a positive yeah. handprint. Right, it's not um, reducing unsustainability. Right, right. it's not yeah. un- reducing unsustainability. Yeah. Right, and yeah. this you know is gets to to some of the work that that I'm currently yeah. doing that's oriented around understanding that organizations yeah. utilize 
different types of resources, yeah. right? And different types of capital, yeah. Right? yeah. Where where a capital is any resource that's capable of producing more resources, yeah, yeah. Right? creating so, value. So we all, yeah, we, we think about financial <laughs> yeah. capital, right? That, that's you know, like when we think about capital, that's what we often think about money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's the natural capital yes. on which yeah. everything is built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's the Social, like human capital, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, so human and social that mm -hmm. each of us, right, is capable of creating value. Yeah, and and typically, you know, like when you're you're employed, you're you're, you're employed for a fraction of that, right? Yeah. So, so going yeah. back to our earlier conversation about recognizing whole persons, yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> right. That that you're 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 hired because you have this particular skill, whether yeah. that's a physical skill or an intellectual skill, mm -hmm. and that's the contribution that you make to an organization that, yeah. that you're paid for. Yeah. But there's other parts of you that can also contribute value yeah. to yeah. those organizations. And so, so in my work, you know, like what we're focusing on mm -hmm. is thinking about how do we design organizations, yeah. activities to regenerate capital. Yeah. 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 And, and I think there, there are lots of interest, great frameworks that are coming out. Right. So, yeah. So circular economy, I feel, yes. is very focused on, yeah. on resources. Resources. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the, the donut economy. Yes. Kate uh, Rayworth. Which, yeah, yeah. Which looks at, you know, planetary Planetary. boundaries and a mm -hmm. social foundation. Yeah. Have the well-being economy. Yes. Uh, solidarity economy that yeah. really put people at the center. So, so when I think about, you know, like what does a sustainable economy look yeah, like, yeah. it's one that regenerates multiple types of capital, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so yeah. the ecological, the technical, yeah. as well as the social yeah, yeah. types of capital. Yeah. So, and I know um, that there's that conversation between weak and strong sustainability where strong sustainability assumes that you're investing all capital into natural capital. You know, and, and it's hard to actually measure if you're doing that, if you're actually investing exactly that amount. Into right. <laughs> so, I mean, so, so, so I see the, the, the difference as yeah. you know, in weak sustainability, we can reduce everything to financial capital, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so if I cut down all of my forest, you know, I can just do something but, else. But, I, but I've built my, yeah. my bank account, then yeah. I, can, I can move somewhere else, like yeah. something, something on it, mm -hmm. right? To where a strong sustainability like really yeah. looks at these different dimensions, yeah. right? Yeah. That you, know, you can't have a good life if right. you've depleted all of your natural yeah. resources. Yeah. Yeah. They're not if substitutable, right? Decimated yeah. the cultures, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, on which they, they were built, right? Yeah. And I feel like cultural capital yeah. Is, yeah. is something that sociologists talk yes. about yes right yeah. and i think it's it's important to mm -hmm. to include that that culture is a really important yeah. part yeah um of sustainability yeah. and you know the the type of resources that we need to yeah. uh, to build right so one of the groups that that i work with is a community mm -hmm. of black and brown farmers, primarily yeah. in the Chicago land mm -hmm. area. And, and we talk about, you know, that farming and cultivation, yeah. right? I mean, it's about food on, on one hand, yeah. but it's also connecting to the rich agricultural tradition yeah. that, that many people of color have walked away from because yeah. of its association with yeah 
servitude, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. slavery and, and yeah. servitude. And so reconnecting mm-hmm. with the, the land yeah. means reconnecting to culture. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think that's an important part of the right. conversation about yeah. sustainability yeah. Yeah. and regenerating yeah. uh, this capital. Yeah. Right. There's, there's definitely an element of empowerment in doing sustainable actions, right? That mm-hmm. I don't think many people talk about, but that form of empowerment in doing that. And, and you mentioned earlier, you know, John Ehrenfeld being a mentor, like I remember reading Flourishing and, you know, that, that book talks a lot about elements of a sustainable society too, right? And mm-hmm. kind of, we're not gonna have a sustainable society if that society isn't empowered and flourishing to begin with. That, that's two parts of the same puzzle, really the people on the planet. But I, I wanted to, you know, start talking a little bit too about responsibility from a personal point of view, not that individualism and, and individual action is the only thing that we should be focusing on, obviously, right? Acknowledging that most of it is institutional and it's systemic, multi-level. but yeah. it is multi-level. And, but just from more of a consumer perspective, like the responsibility that we have, not consumers, but also just citizens politically to empower ourselves, steps that we can take to do this and I think for me, sustainability at least encompasses well-being in the sense of human and planetary well-being. And you know, I don't know if that's a broad generalization, but that it just makes sense to me. That's what sustainability is: human and planetary well-being. But yeah, can, can we talk a little bit about that responsibility that we have? Yeah, I mean, so so for me, the starting point is not thinking of ourselves as consumers, mm-hmm. right? I feel like that's the identity that yeah. is. Pushed upon us yeah. uh, by the economic system yeah. that that we're, we're in, right? So uh, the the starting place is recognizing that being a consumer yeah. is one part of our identities. Yeah. You know, so so if you are, are into systems thinking, right? Yeah. We we start at what are the mental models mm-hmm. and the the values yeah. that that underlie all of the decisions that that we make. Yeah. And and I think in our modern society, mm. our modern capitalist society, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, the the values and the the decisions that are prioritized are, yeah. are those of economic consumption. consumption yeah. Right. And so who we are mm-hmm. as people, so one, yeah. recognizing yeah. that, that we're, we are more than consumers. Yeah. Right? We are members of a society. Yeah. And the nature of the relationships that we have mm-hmm. is multifaceted. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So there's our our family relationships. Yeah. And in the majority of global societies, those family relationships are yeah. extended. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not mm-hmm. just about a nuclear family. Yeah. Right. It's about your grandparents and your aunties and yeah. your uncles and your cousins. Yeah. And <laughs> and, and, and so those relationships yeah. Are a key part of our interactions, right? Yeah, and yeah. so those relationships are not transactional. Yeah, yeah. Right. That 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 those are, you know, about um, understanding who you are and your mm-hmm. place in the mm-hmm. world and and social capital. Right? Yeah. where we we build from. We have relationships with the earth. Yeah. And you know, as source of of all, all life on mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. the planet. Right? Yeah. And so I think care yeah. 
costume uh, is, is an important part yeah. of, of who we are yeah. um, as human beings, and that's in relationship with each other and mm-hmm. our relationship with the, the planet. Yeah. And, and so, so I feel like, you know, we, we need to rethink our mental models about yeah. our place in societies yeah. and what we, we contribute, mm-hmm. right? So we contribute care. Yeah. You know, we receive care, we yeah. contribute care you know, in our families, yeah. in our extended relationships. Right. We can talk about, you know, the, the exchange of, of goods and services. Yeah, right? yeah. As, as another form of the activities that, that we yeah, do. Yeah. And then I also think about, you know, the, the contributions that, that we make to, mm-hmm. to culture, to engagement, yeah. to democracies is, yes. is the, the word that, yes. that, that comes to mind. But, yeah. you know, it's like how we engage yeah. uh, with our communities yeah. and being informed. So, so I think there's an onus on... Yeah on us to to be informed yeah. citizens yeah. to participate in meaningful ways in in the societies that that we're yeah. part of yeah and so so i think if we started the mental model right yeah, uh, yeah. that's um where a major shift mm-hmm. it needs to happen yeah yeah i do want do want to address the the consumer um, yeah, it's hard for me to get away from that term, even though I don't even necessarily identify mm-hmm. as a consumer. It's just I'm so used to saying that right. word in a right. business and setting. The, the, that normalization and the water that yeah. we swim in. Yes, right? yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. No one is first, first and foremost a consumer, and unfortunately, yeah. I think a lot of people need to break away from that identity. But it's it's hard for a lot of people, and and I wonder too is you know, for me, the exchange of goods and services of when I purchase something, it's usually because I care about someone else or myself. And I'm just buying something as a tool, as a mechanism for me to show my care for someone else or myself. And I think that that is a shift that maybe could be interesting and could be helpful. Yeah, I mean, to, to address that. So, so, so I want to talk about, you know, consuming yeah. goods and services yeah, yeah. in our societies, because I think that, you know, we, we need to make a distinction yeah. between consumerism, yeah. affluence, yes, right, and consuming for necessity. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, you know, there are many people in our societies who are living below the poverty line, who are working two, three jobs and barely making ends meet that with the pandemic and the shutdown of schools that their kids who are not getting enough food. (laughs) At the same time, you know, we have so much food waste in in this country and and around the world. Right. So, So I feel like we need to make a distinction between yeah. overconsumption and right, yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, like the consumption that we need to satisfy yeah. our, yeah. our yeah. needs, yeah, and the consumption that we do because yeah. we can because it's there, right, right. <laughs> I need another, yeah, yes. another one, just another, <laughs> another one, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, and so. So I think as consumers that we have responsibility to understand the impacts of. Yeah what we consume. And I feel that, that as scientists, and like particularly in, in my field, right? Yeah, so yeah. Um, sustainability scientists, um, we, we know what a lot of the impacts are, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the challenge is how do we convey that knowledge in a meaningful yeah. way 
a meaningful, digestible way to the public to yeah. for them to make better decisions, right? Mm-hmm, so, which mm-hmm. type of coffee yeah. should should I yeah, should I drink, yeah. right? So we we know what are the life cycle impacts. Yeah, yeah. We know most of the social impacts, but mm-hmm. integrating that life cycle sustainability assessment yeah. into uh, a form that is easily digestible. Yeah. I think that translation yeah. work yeah. is something that, that needs to be done. I think we also need to understand behavior, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so our economic models are, you know, primarily based yeah. on rational choice, but yeah. we have more uh, behavioral economics or yeah. really understanding yeah. like, ba- what bounded rationality. <laughs> yeah. People to, yeah. to choose, yeah. you know, different goods and services. And, mm-hmm. and so, so I think understanding behavior yeah. um, and utilizing the knowledge we have to yeah. translate it into ways that can, can shift consumer yeah. behavior yeah. is an important piece yeah. of this transition to, to a more sustainable yeah. society. I know the, the conversation around post-growth and, and, and degrowth, some, degrowth especially, <laughs> and the, the, the concept that beyond a certain limit, you know, Wilkinson and Pickett say $25,000 GDP per capita, even though, you know, they're still using GDP as a measurement, but mm-hmm. hypothetically that beyond that limit that we have to look at other indicators for human well-being because beyond that limit, economic growth won't generate any other beneficial effects, really. That translate well into well-being, at least for us. Yeah, and I mean, I think there, there are different numbers out there, right? Yeah. But I think your, your point is that Right. We, we still use yeah. GDP as, yeah. as the metric. Right. 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 And, you know, here we yeah. are yeah. in one of the, the wealthiest societies by GDP yeah. per capita. Yeah. And you know, I can't remember the statistics now, like what percentage of, of our <laughs> mm-hmm. population does not have health care. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And so. So, yeah. So, so yeah. I agree that, that we definitely need other metrics yeah. that measure well-being. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, in 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 a meaningful way, right? Yeah. That that really gets at, at understanding how mm-hmm. the quality of life, yeah. right? And can you Jenny coefficient right? inequality exists in a society? And I, I know that you recently co-authored a paper on specifically the impacts of COVID. And, and I I wanted to talk about that too. You know, one of the things that, that the pandemic reveals. Yeah, yeah. And I, I say that, you know, many, many people yeah. are aware of it, but, yeah. but it could be shines a light on is that those who provide care yeah. housework child care yeah um, is not evaluated effectively yeah. in our society yeah. right so yeah. i i have two small children yeah. and, and so in the the spring when everything mm-hmm. went remote mm-hmm. you know it became okay do i spend a day with them doing remote learning or yeah. do i spend a day doing my work (laughs) and and that trade-off was really hard right and I as someone who's well-educated has Mm -hmm. a secure job has the flexibility of working from home and doing you know all of the things that that I do online Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we have so many people for whom that's not the case right who had to go to work yeah who had to figure out what to do with their kids yeah where where to send them to Mm -hmm who could take care of them, whether right. that's a daycare or a relative yeah, yeah. Or, or a friend. Right. And we, we don't compensate those yeah. activities well, right? We mm-hmm. undervalue yeah. the, the important contribution that taking care of yeah. our children, 
our vulnerable, mm-hmm. our elders uh, in the society yeah. takes and what's the, the value yeah. Yeah. of that. And, and so, I mean, I, I think it's important that yeah. we use this time mm-hmm. and the recovery to, to seriously think about how yeah. do we measure and value yeah. Yeah. those types of activities that right. don't count towards GDP. Yeah, we, I, we haven't really done much reflection you know, we just kind of have kept going and going. Right, we're, we're still in reflection. it, right? It's, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, at least for me, you know, like I, I'm about to start my program. So I have mm-hmm. a little bit of time right now to reflect. And I've been just doing a lot of reading. You know, coincidentally, I'm reading Mariana Mazzucato's The Value of Everything, right? And mm-hmm. talking about this, but it's just one of many books that are actually trying to you know, to talk about a lot of these fundamental tensions that we have. Mm-hmm. And some of them have been written a long time ago, sometimes, you know, 50 years ago. But yeah. it's, it's at least important for me to kind of build this foundation. And it's just great to know when other people have the similar foundation that I have, right? And even though we're in the same field, like, there are people with this foundation. And I don't, mm-hmm. I, it's not something I really have to push, because some people already understand it. Yeah, yeah. so, so I, I, I am hopeful. Yeah, because of the the pandemic. Yeah, um, because of the global protests. Yeah, yeah. Um, that you know there there is a, a turning point. Yeah. In in academia. Yeah. Right, because what has been valued. Yeah. yeah. Right, is, is certain types of of research and publications yeah. and outlets for publication. Yeah. No, so I'm hopeful that you know, young mm-hmm. people like yourself, you yeah. know, right, who can, can tap into, yeah. Yeah. you know, this is, this is my passion and, yeah. and um, I, I want to connect that to yeah. Yeah. real impact in mm-hmm. the world, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the outlets, uh, the ways of, of doing research, yeah. you know, that diversity is, yeah. is valued, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so it's not, you know, what econometric model can you come yeah. up with? <laughs> And and so I think, you know, having the the space, I mean, I I think it's going to be a fight, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I think the the last thing that we can touch on maybe is just the work that you're kind of focusing on now. Any kind of themes that are... I think we did did talk about it because we talked about, you know, like the regenerative economies and regenerating capital. Yeah. I, I would say that... During the pandemic, one of the changes that happened yeah. with, with my work and, and, you know, acknowledge my privilege as a tenured yeah. faculty member yeah. Yeah. Uh, to be able to do this mm-hmm. you know, was to shift the work that my group has been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we're, we've been doing work on sustainability and equity in urban yeah. food systems, yeah. right? And so what are policies, action that can help promote? And so, you know, we, we work with a partner organization, the yeah. Chicago Food Policy Action mm-hmm. Council, and a network of yeah. farmers, farming support organization. Right, right. And it became apparent, right, that, you know, we, we had plans to do uh, a survey at the beginning yeah. of the summer that would assess sustainability labor practices in farms yeah um, kind of in the local food shed so a a 300 mile radius around the city of chicago and it became apparent you know and the beginning of the pandemic that farmers are struggling to survive right what to do with their produce uh how is it going to get to to market 
So we, we pivoted all of the RAs in our mm -hmm. group to work with our partner organization that yeah. was doing outreach to the farmers to understand kind of what the impacts of COVID yeah. were on their businesses right. and what types of resources, financial connections yeah. they would need to, to survive. Yeah. You know? And so April, May, yeah. I was really yeah. spent doing that. And, mm -hmm. and so recognizing that, you know, like as a, a researcher that, that's working yeah. in communities yeah. that sometimes it's okay to pause yeah. Yeah. the research to to really address the, mm -hmm. the needs yeah. of those stakeholders that, yeah. that yeah. directly right yeah yeah and and now you know we're beginning to to just shift a bit shift back yeah. now we're beginning to shift back into in, into more of the research right, right. And, and but even that that research has has shifted to think yeah. about okay well how are the the effects of the pandemic yeah on the fact that you know there is more interest in local food and people yeah. are recognizing the resilience mm -hmm. uh, of the local food systems yeah, and yeah. needing to support those so translating you know what we've learned into right. into policy right so yeah, not just academic yeah. publications yeah, but yeah. also into white paper that can continue you know the this trend that we've seen mm -hmm. for local food and so so I think yeah, it was just a, yeah. like a very interesting time that yeah. that we're in, right? Um, and, mm -hmm. and and so I think you know, like as a researcher, it, it's important to to recognize kind of when your work needs to take a backseat yeah. to the needs of, of the community, and also recognizing you know like how your work yeah. can support the communities in which yeah. uh, with which you're working. Yeah, I think so. There's you know the, the emphasis in academia that when you're writing a paper, you need to find gaps in the literature to research on, mm -hmm. right? But instead, you know, instead of focusing on that, there, sh there should be a wider focus on where are the gaps in the actual needs of communities and the actual people rather than the gaps in the literature. Because just because there's a gap in the literature doesn't mean that materializes into needs of society, right? right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen, no, so there's a, I'm not sure how recent, I think mm -hmm. this year. Yeah. Um, Academy of Management yeah. um, Discoveries article uh -huh. uh, by Jennifer Howard Grenville yeah. and some colleagues yeah. about, you know, just kind of linking management yes. Yes. to the sustainable development goals. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And it's precisely that, that yeah. critique mm -hmm. that management and economics, is, it's uh, much of academia, yeah. it's about okay, what are the theories? What theories can we build yeah. on? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. And where are the gaps and what yeah. are the gaps that need to be filled? Yeah. Um, and, and it's a call to say, instead of that, you know, like, let's look at yeah. the needs of society yeah. Yeah. and see how management theory mm -hmm. you know, can address. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a lot of discussion around grand challenges and mm -hmm. complex, these kinds of things are the stuff that I love to see just in the, yeah. in the literature, right? Thank you for taking the time, you know, more, even more time than we uh, initially imagined, but it's such a really fruitful conversation with a lot of depth. And it's just what I, the conversations that I want to have all the time, right? Yeah, for these kinds yeah, of conversations. No, this, is, this, is, this is awesome. So that's it for episode three of the Sustainable Podcast. I'll see you for episode four next week. I hope you enjoyed the episode and thanks for listening.